Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Second hour is here. Braves are world champions. JP and Sibia will be in studio with us in 15 minutes. We will go through the details and the analysis of how the Braves got it done against all uh, obstacles. So a uh, crazy story, outstanding season. We'll recap it coming up at 3.20 Central Time. Uh, headlines of the day, Aaron Rodgers is out this week as quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. He uh, has covid he is not going to play against the Kansas City Chiefs. If you want to know the importance of Aaron Rodgers to his team, look at how the line in Vegas shifted. That I'm always fascinated about a player that has been ruled out and how that affects the game that's interpreted out west. It went from a it went from a one point uh, home favorite, which was which was Kansas City. They were minus one. They're now they, this morning. It dropped all the way to uh, plus eight and a half for Green Bay. So it moved a full touchdown. The over under was at round fifty six. It dropped to like 45, 44 points. <laughs> That's massive because Jordan loves playing. You know, he basically he said he was immunized. Right. It was an alternate treatment. Yeah, homeopathic treatment, which the NFL was aware of. Right. He petitioned to be treated as vaccinated. Was not treated. As vaccinated, but there, there was, was a lengthy back and forth before yeah, the league decided there, that he's unvaccinated. There were some um, contradictions in the way he was treated, like the the Packers put unvaccinated players on Zoom for media availability. They did not put him on Zoom for media availability. So, what uh, homeopathic uh, remedy did Shailene Woodley? turn him on to <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the first thing it's that i thought hair. of i mean the, the hair yeah, the, the man hair. bun the trip so that to hair was for uh a, a, a wick i mean costume. i i see John them wick. like i see them in hawaii uh, on the beach next to a fire with an open coconut like mixing some sort of solve into the coconut and Chanting. then applying it the whole i mean what what is the homeopathic remedy this is, is what one. i wanted i mean this is this is tb12 level stuff I think the public needs to know what it is that he's claiming is a homeopathic remedy. Well, it didn't work. The science community, Paul, wants to know. What, <laughs> well, what, I, what I is Aaron Rodgers on to that no one media, else is? For all the media members who are complaining that he's unmasked and going in front of the podium, um, you know, uh, would they prefer that Aaron Rodgers just not be available to the media? Uh, I, no one would take that offer. They're going to complain about it on social media, but then they will show up and interview Aaron Rodgers the next time he's in front of a I wonder podium. how many of the people complaining, though, are just really complaining because they have to follow the protocols. Right? Like, if it's like, if Maybe. I've got to follow all these protocols and I've got to test in to be there for media availability and I've well, got to I do saw, this. I'm I saw surprised some, to have media rules. I saw some, uh, I, I'd I like can't remember the room. reporter um, this morning saying it was so unethical of Aaron Rodgers to stand behind the podium unmasked. I'm thinking... Dude, have you been in a restaurant indoors, well, I'm unmasked, I'm eating? also assuming if that person is saying it's unethical, that that person is vaccinated. So what do they care? Uh, exactly. I mean, that, that well, would I, be my response. I, I think the feeling is that he lied. How did he lie? 
if the NFL was aware of this? Well, I think he was asked if he was vaccinated. He said he's immunized, and people took that as a yes. Well, now he has antibodies. Well, that's so he, not a no lot. Need to get I mean, if he thinks no he's been immunized, I guess Thinking you've been immunized and being immunized, which means Well, now, now he has the antibodies, and he's good for the rest of the season. He's yeah. going to miss one game. Once it's, it's actually a great situation for Green Bay. They're 6-1, and one, and their quarterback now has antibodies, and he can't even get vaccinated if he wanted to. Well, I wouldn't call it a great situation. A great situation would be he doesn't miss any time even if he tests positive after being vaccinated he would miss time yeah it's, no yes he would when's his game sunday yes and what's today wednesday how much time did it take for Vrabel to get back and all that you have to test twice negative before you were leaving allowed back in the so i guess it's all he about might, when you he test might have positive. missed sunday but he could have tested negative twice after this my point and, is and it, it, they could have been exactly where they are could and, have been. and now he's got antibodies and he's good for three months right but they might have get been, it out of the way might now. have been in a better situation could have been there better, was potential better situation he doesn't test positive you're right but it could have yeah. happened in the postseason and it well he also he's, could have tested and positive one. and done two negatives in the next couple of days and play who are they playing the chiefs kansas chiefs. city yeah I, jordan love I, does not instill much confidence in me well, so I was, i've been talking about the chiefs running up against tough teams it's a lot less tough of a team with Jordan Love at quarterback, who I expect nothing from. Well, I I expect a lot more than nothing from Jordan Love, who has been practicing in this system. They shouldn't have to change a single thing for Jordan Love. Did you see last week with the backups that help win games? Yeah, but did, did you, you see, see what happened Trevor in Trevor Dallas? Simeon? But did you see we, what happened in Dallas? Did we see reviews of Jordan Love in the preseason? This dude's a first round pick. I bro. well, I understand the expectations are high. I'm not making excuses Should for high, high draft picks. That have been well, sitting on is, the bench. And, and, and Paul, yesterday we were talking about Julio Jones, the Titans. You want Julio Jones to be what they brought him in to be. Jordan Love is a franchise quarterback. That's, that's, what, what, the, that's what the Packers told us about making that move. He's a franchise quarterback. They thought he was. He hasn't lived up to the billing in his limited well, chances so they, far. I don't think he's good. We're here's making excuses chance. for a guy before he even takes his first snap uh, as a starter. I, I am saying my expectations for him are to go run the offense and command a huddle. I mean, as a first-round draft pick quarterback in year three, commanding a huddle is one thing. That. Throwing touchdown passes is is another. I I, just, I don't expect him to be Aaron Rodgers, but I expect him to be competent. I mean, that's what they drafted him to be was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Titans successor. drafted Isaiah Wilson to be a starting right tackle. And we make no excuses for him. Right. Yeah. I, I'm saying just because you draft a guy to be something doesn't mean he's it. I understand the the lack of confidence you're saying, Paul. I don't have a lot of confidence in play, him playing great either, but. This is on the Packers now. Oh, of course it is. Like, this is their hands are, are dirty with that draft. It was a pick, bad pick. with the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers. So now he's not facing let's the Rams. See him defense. be a first round pick. He's not facing the Rams defense. Well, no, it's it's not a terrible matchup for him by no, any means. Should not be. But I don't. His preseason performance wasn't good. He didn't instill a lot of confidence. They haven't done anything indicating that they're they're willing to to go to him. Um. Well, you know, they talked talk like they'd go to him last year, and ultimately they wound up back where they. It's hard to go to him whenever you've got the reigning MVP who you think can win it, win a Super I, Bowl this year. I'm rooting for him to play so well that there's a quarterback controversy. <laughs> <laughs> when Rodgers comes know back, that. we know that. Do we not go happening. with the guy who has the homeopathic remedy to COVID nineteen? This is not the Giants and the defending MVP, or this guy who just put up 519 yards there against are, the There Chiefs. are multiple teams that would love for him to, uh, Jordan Love, to play well. Uh, I, I start listing them off. Pittsburgh, New Orleans, oh, yeah. Vegas. The more the merrier on the market. I mean, you start li- going through all the teams He'll that are in cheaper. the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. He'll be a lot cheaper year. than Deshaun Watson. 
Pittsburgh is a is a great uh, example. Um, other headlines, uh, and we'll get to rugs in just a moment, but uh, let's go to another receiver. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who was not traded at the deadline, who his father pinned a a negative tweet on his Twitter account He'd about this before. Baker Mayfield and his struggles. He was excused from practice yesterday. He's uh, apparently not practicing today. Um, what a life. Baker Mayfield's available to the media. He's he's being asked about Odell Beckham Jr. and whether or not he would accept an apology from him. I mean, there's craziness. Odell Beckham Jr. is about to be released. That's what the Browns are telling us. They didn't move him at the deadline. And I, I believe it. They, they felt as though either, number one, they, they had to get some type of compensation worth moving him for. Or number two, they felt as though they could reconcile whatever is going on. Well, it's that, also that a cap relief issue. Like you talked about, it's hard to trade for a guy who's got a big cap number. I'm sure he's got a big cap. Number. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a great point. And I, I think it, as well, there is, there is some uh, back and forth or maybe a lack thereof going on with his head coach where he's not speaking to Stefanski now. He's Correct. about to be cut. He's a difficult character. Um, Jordan Schultz on Twitter named a couple of teams that would absolutely claim him. And I believe those are the Saints and the Raiders. Yes. Michael Thomas done for the year after re-aggravating or, or suffering a new injury to his, is it an ankle? So the Saints aren't getting their star receiver back. That makes sense. Here's here's Jordan Schultz on Twitter. Um, and I'll read verbatim. He's got the pull-up podcast. Uh, he was with Yahoo, I believe, for a long time. But he goes he goes in detail here on the rift between uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Stefanski. He says, sources, Saints and Raiders have displayed interest in Odell Beckham Jr. who has currently cut contact with head coach Kevin Stefanski. The Browns could still release him, allowing him to then sign elsewhere. Even after his excused mispractice, I'm told Odell Beckham Jr. plans to play Sunday. <laughs> As he continues to, uh, and, and, and Schultz goes on, Based on the severed communication between Odell and Stefanski, along with him missing practice today, it's hard to envision a scenario where Beckham actually plays Sunday. But he's telling everyone he's playing. Yeah, that does not. Look, it's gone What's sour. the market for him? It would be my big question. Well, Saints sound like released, a good spot. because Raiders, they don't have rugs. Raiders hurting. Different kind of receiver. It's uh, also, I understand that you know talent can cover up a lot in the NFL. I'm, I don't know that I'm in a hurry to bring Odell Beckham Jr. on, given the baggage at this point. He's been publicly is, quieter, but it sounds like behind the scenes he hasn't been quieter. I mean, you got to shut your dad up. Right? His dad did this when he was on his way out of the Giants, it's and just it, it seemingly worked. So they think this is the way to go, right? Clearly, yeah. But if it this works, exit do it again. Strategy. Yeah, it's weird. The guy hasn't made a, a significant catch in how long? He's been bad. It's been two years. He's been bad. The offense got better last year whenever he got hurt. I mean, because they became more balanced. And that's what—that's why, Chad, all these other teams think, well, hell. I mean, their offense got better without him. That's a playoff team, you know, yeah. when they're healthy. If, if he can't help them, what are the odds he's going to help me? Well, immediately I start thinking about playoff contenders that need some juice in their wide receiver room. That he would—that would be the Colts. market for him. Colts need. They have okay, no money. But then I think about what playoff contenders want to bring Odell Beckham Jr. into their locker yeah, room. Colts wouldn't touch him, I'm sure. They also have zero money. But that's not a Colts-like move. 
Uh, details out on Henry Ruggs and the DUI in this Vegas that killed a 23-year-old female. Um, he appeared in court where details emerged that he was driving 156 miles per hour and he blew a .17 BAC, which is what, double in Nevada? Those are two awful, two, awful Two felonies, numbers. though, because Plus, along with this vehicular homicide, he also um, had a loaded gun in the car with him. Which you cannot have if you've been drinking. Well, right? so a, a 23-year-old woman and her, her dog died in, in the accident. He also had a 22-year-old woman as his passenger. Her arm was so severely injured that the DA is going to put a second DUI charge mm. because of the injury caused because to the passenger on top of it. So three felonies. He's looking at the possibility now of 26 years when you add in the gun charge. Raiders acted, acted quickly, didn't want anything to do with this, caught him, and he's going to spend a long time in jail. And this is as big a, a criminal incident for a player um, as we've seen in, in quite some time. Bizarre. I don't understand the whole um, ruling on bail. So they, the prosecution, uh, the, 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 those asking the judge, the state, asked the judge for a million-dollar bail, and the judge granted a $150,000 bail. Now, he can't drive, and he has to surrender his passport so he can't flee. But, I mean, one hundred fifty grand. How quickly? How quickly does he have to be back in court? Is uh, well, that, is you know, here I'm we go with the about. legal process. But yeah. um, he appeared in a wheelchair. Every coach in the league talked to his team this morning in that first meeting of the week about that you have free and unlimited use of. I think the league has a deal with Lyft. You know, the Titans have a deal with Lyft. If it's not Lyft league-wide, you have Lyft or Uber. Every team's providing it. Guys don't use it sometimes because they're afraid that the team is monitoring when they use Lyft and they don't want to be spied on. There's an NFLPA, right? Yes. Make that anonymous. Well, they I think have, it is yeah. anonymous, but players don't believe well, it. They don't buy it. But they, it is anonymous. They, there's then a it needs to be completely anonymous. There's a hotline that you can also call and that they'll provide a car that is anonymous. The league um, and the teams care far more yeah. about their players' safety and the safety of innocent people who interact with their players than they care about a guy being out at 2 o'clock in the morning. They know that while they'd like a guy not to be out late, that they deal with young men who are going to be out late and be in some potentially dangerous situations. They absolutely are well-intentioned in terms of not wanting those guys to be in those situations. And they have given them the resources to not be in them. And it tears them up that will, they cannot get that message through. Well, and it's and all about protecting to investment, too. Yes. You know, it's about safety and player safety and everyone else. But in the end, these are business people I, that want to protect their investment and not have them arrested. And the league protecting the shield. I mean, this is, a, this is somebody's dead. This is indefensible. And, and the, the league has really cut down on these incidents, though. A, a decade ago, there was a DUI a month yeah. across the league. And they have, they have really cut down on this. Uh, but this, this is sad and... Um, totally just, avoidable. Just, yeah, totally, absolutely. totally avoidable. Absolutely. Uh, he's back in court November the 10th, so a week from today. I mean, it's it's uh, 23 years old, too. That That's the tragedy of all of this is the young woman who died. And yeah. I mean, just to imagine, we all drive around a lot in the different places, but to be 
dri- I don't know. She's, she could be driving home from her shift at work. Yeah. And then you're stopped at a light and someone is driving 156 miles per hour wasted behind you and blows up your car. Yeah, well, trapped this her inside. Racetrack speed. Trapped her inside while the car was it's on just, fire. It, it makes my stomach turn thinking about it. Coming up, J.P. Aaron Sibia is walking into the studio. Marlins broadcaster, former MLB saluting catcher. Saluting Chadwick. Yes, he's saluting. He is here for the parade. He will stay here until we uh, begin the parade for Chad Withrow Pearl and his Braves for everyone. world champions. Discussion on how they did it next on Outkick 360. Ben Ingram, Braves Radio Network with the call. The Braves are world champions. J.P. and Sibia in studio with us. Outkick 360 rolls on. J.P., the Braves get it done. Not in seven, but in six. How did they do it? I mean, I know that's a loaded question and a long answer, but what a what a run that they went on starting around August. Well, I mean, it's it's a team that that hung around and did what they needed to do to win the NL East and then get better. Uh, you have to talk about Alex Anthopoulos and the job that he did at the at the deadline. Where a team that thought possibly could sell, there's a lot of people calling out there for for the Braves to sell. That hey, just Cunha's down, Taroka out, just just let it go. And he said, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to step on the gas. And how important were those four players that he acquired because they became the guys, one of them, World Series MVP and Jorge Soler. But uh, I was wondering, during that call, Chad, are you, are you like tearing up? Are you starting to cry? You cry? Are, you, are you? All I think about when I hear the Braves uh, radio guy, which I don't listen to Braves on the radio very often. Hutton, we've heard him before too. He sounds like Hank Azaria's <laughs> broadcaster character. Like it's such a you put think, on. I voice. wish it was like, a lot better. Yeah, that's a, lot a more three memorable. two count now to the batter. And it's like it's such a. It's like that cannot be his actual voice. But no, it was uh, quite the emotional evening uh, watching the Braves. The, the big takeaway for me, JP, um, in in seeing this all come together, David O'Brien's a writer that covers the Braves for the Athletic that I really enjoy reading, and he said the biggest takeaway with this group is they're camaraderie was legitimate. Like people talk about it, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, we really stuck together and hung in there. He said, it was bad for a big chunk of the year and they never got down on each other. They never played the blame game. They never made excuses. But the fact that Alex Anthopoulos not only brought in players that worked, but personalities that fit with that clubhouse, that's key. And I'm sure you've seen this throughout your career, but to me, that's that's kind of an understated part of all of this that, not only could those guys play, but they fit in perfectly with a group that was very tight-knit. Yeah, and you're, and you're spot on. I, you think about analytics, right? And one thing you can't quantify is, like you said, what you bring, the characters that you bring into the clubhouse. Do they mesh? Do they, do they amplify the team? Do they lift them up or do they bring them down? Not only they're playing on the field, but you're with those guys every single day in that clubhouse where you can't just leave, right? And so when you bring in a bad egg, it makes a big deal. Well, he brought in four good eggs, and you start to think about – you know, Jock Peterson and the Pearls, right? Everything starts the chop. You started, you started to see the momentum going. I remember when the Red Sox won the World Series when I was playing, uh, they used to talk about that team getting to the ballpark at noon for a 7 o'clock game because they loved being around each other so much. And all of a sudden, you see a team like that win a World Series. That's what you need. That's, teams like that beat better teams. That's why the Braves beat the Dodgers, which on paper is a better team. And when they beat Houston, which on paper is a better team as well. What what uh, teams like to copy the lead the lead dog? You can't. I mean, everybody strives to have a good chemistry in the locker room and everything. 
Are there baseball things about the Braves that they did that other teams can look at and try to copy? Well, one thing I think you, you look at the bullpen, right? And you start to think about in, in Major League Baseball, more than any time in the playoffs, if you don't have a bullpen that you can go to in the fourth and, and go to four different guys or five different guys to finish out that game, you have a very bad chance of winning and winning in the playoffs. So much so that the Houston Nationals, when they won the World Series, they had to use Charlie Morton, who was a starter on the back half, Lance McCullers the last few innings. So those last few innings are so big, and you watch what the Braves did with Minter and what they did with Matzik, what they did with Will Smith, Luke Jackson. You start to think about the bullpen that they had at the back half of that game. That's where, if I'm a GM, I'm making a team, I go, I'm starting it from the sixth inning to the ninth. That's the most important part of this game. Obviously, you need starting pitching, but I think that's where the Braves really made hay was in that bullpen. JP, I love your tweet last night saying, you know, I didn't need StatCast to tell me that Jorge Soler's home run would have been out of all 30 ballparks. Uh, that thing was out of the park in a hurry. And that at-bat, to me, was, it was what was so impressive. He battled off some really good pitches to get to that point. When you're watching a battle like that, you're watching it from a guy who played catcher in the majors, but also as a batter. Does the benefit typically go to the batter in those scenarios when you see it over and over again and you're seeing that many pitches that maybe at some point with a hitter like Soler, you're, he's going to hang a slider to you the way he did? Well, here's what's funny. So I, and, I, and I tweeted about this too. It's 3-2 count, two foul balls, right? You already have him in swing mode. So what happens is when a hitter gets in swing mode and full count, that means that he's just really aggressive. He, you can throw any pitch and there probably is a chance that they're going to chase. I know this because I've been that guy, right? You think 3-2, advantage count, I have a chance. So he has swung back-to-back pitches. So you already have him in swing mode and you have him aggressive. So the pitch selection wasn't the bad part of that because I thought a slider was a good pitch, but you had to make it down and out of the zone because you probably would have gotten a swing and a miss. But when you have a guy in swing mode and you hang it, well, I think everybody sees what happens when you hang a pitch and you have a hitter like that in swing mode. And what I love, he hits that ball. And what does he do? He looks right to the dugout. You talk about team camaraderie. It wasn't anything. He looked right to the dugout and said, let's go. I got this. Well, you got to hit it a million miles to be able to, <laughs> to look to the dugout instead of look to first base. But rarely like do think. you see, uh, most of the time when you see a guy gesture in any way after a home run, it's after they go back in the replay. That thing was hit so hard and so fast, they couldn't even turn the camera out of the park before he was gesturing. He, I mean, it was live on the – he swung, turned, and gestured towards the dugout on the home run. It, it, was, uh, it was something else to watch. Something else that, that just blows me away about today's game, and you've talked about it, JP, the, the difference in emotion with players today and how they show that emotion and also the different ways we can measure that emotion. Here's an example. Max Fried, after giving his leg stepped on on that play where he did not play it properly – and there's first and second with no one out. I'm thinking, oh, here's another bad Max Freed performance. He battles back, strikes out two of the next three batters. He threw his hardest pitch of the year, 98.6 miles per hour on the strikeout pitch to Gurriel. And the inning. That's an emotional pitch, right? Yeah. And now that we have these quick, instantaneous, oh, it was that fast, that's his fastest pitch of the year, that's where stat cast and things like that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, 100%. Like you said, you start to think about adrenaline and what that can do 
And then you see him, and I mean, it wasn't to Guriel's three straight fastballs. He was dialed in, and it was 97, 97, and then he throws at 98. And I'm sitting there watching that game. That sequence is really, to me, where I went, ugh, it's going to be a tough day for the Astros. Because you can tell that it was like different Max Freed, right? It, it's like it took him a little bit of maybe that step on the foot, whatever it was, to kind of put him against the wall to wake him up. But it woke him up because that dude was nasty from there on out. And you start to think, you know, that's where, like you said, stat cast is cool because you can instantaneously go, well, man, as a fan, I'm watching this. Dude, he just threw his hardest pitch of the entire year at the World Series in game six of the World Series. After in a his full final season, game his, of the year. In after being stepped on. Exactly. And you just, so those are the cool things. But I just thought when he did that to Guriel, I thought game set match because this dude has it tonight. JP, are there, or maybe this is really dumb to think of, but I, I watching the pitch, going back to the Solaire homer, are there times behind the plate as a former Major League Baseball catcher, before the swing even occurs, you know that this is a massive mistake and this is going to be a bomb? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like you just, you, you don't even worry about trying to catch the Is it a ball. beach ball well, to you, you just, the way it's a beach ball well, to yeah, the You just put your hand back to the umpire for a new ball? <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty much... <laughs> You try not to do it I mean, on the way. You don't even take the mask off. Just here you go. Yeah, just go. well, Let's believe me, I've been back there for enough of those. So yes, I do. You actually just reach back and you just <laughs> great, don't even. Great you question, don't even. Man. But I've had pitchers yell expletives as the ball is halfway oh, see, through because yeah. they throw it and they so know. It's like me and kickball when I was <laughs> pitching. <laughs> they like, they oh, know bro. as as that's soon a as they throw it, they're like, oh no. And as a hitter. You get that. It's like a beach ball. And and for me, I, I used to, I love watching. It's funny you ask that. As a catcher, I love watching catchers' reactions because they tell you everything. Because I used, when that would happen and a guy would hit a ball like that, a hanger, I would just go like this. Yeah. Dropping, you, you he's drop dropping head. his head. I, I knew I knew that it was, like, I, I didn't, or you're upset or whatever it is. But you, you can look at the catcher and they'll tell you real quickly if it's a home run or not. That I mean, just just seeing the swing and, and the replay get like I, I've watched it a, you know, several times now, but the 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 pitch itself, like you just I, uh, it's just you know it's a, just served up perfectly for him on yeah. pitch number eight. Yeah, it's a, that's why they say the old hanger, you bang him, you hang him and bang him. <laughs> JP, you you told us about that Twitter account that the rates and Paul did too yeah, rates yeah. the umpires. Mm. During the game, you need to start a Twitter account for catchers' reactions. Yes, All right. and it's nothing but reaction shots throughout the history of Major League That's Baseball. A great idea. Best reactions of catchers on home runs or pitches. There's some great ones. Is this the end of the Astros? And how much do you feel like this group underachieved based on what they could have gotten out of the core? I don't think it's the end for the Astros. If you think about it, really the only th difference they have is Carlos Correa. I mean, that's really the guy who's the free agent, who's the horse. But I mean, the, you, you start to look at that, that team. You still have Altuve for a while. You have Jordan Alvarez. You have Gurriel. You have uh, Bregman. I don't like this answer at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it is. It's tough. But this is a team that has been put together. And as much as people want to say about cheating, they've been in the World Series three out of the last five years. So... I mean, it's a good team. I mean, they didn't get the signs this year. They didn't didn't have no garbage cans this year. I think they were watched a little closer, and they still made it. Well, but, in, in this, I made this comparison earlier, but the Braves, the '90s. You know, they went to five World Series in the '90s. They won the one right in the middle in '95. Um, they're two away. I mean, the Astros still have a little bit of ways to go. But if they get to two more World Series and don't win, 
They're the Braves of the 90s. But as a Braves fan, I'll say to Astros fans, not the worst place to be no. in when you're consistently going to the World Series over and over again. If you get the one, luckily for them, they already have the one at least. Yeah. Yeah, but you should finish more. Uh, when you're there that often, I, you got to finish I agree. More. I'll say the same about the Braves. Tonight. One more would have been nice. At least one more. Maybe they can get Tom Brady to, to go on their team and just have him finish <laughs> yeah. it out. What Freddie you, Freeman. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he's the Tom Brady now. Well, yeah, they back it up for him. What do you think last night felt like for Acuna? Gosh, I, I imagine one, he was, he was obviously insanely excited to, to see. You could see his emotion sitting there and how excited he, he is because I think, and I can probably say this now more than ever, you got more excited as a player to watch other people do well, right? Like you love to be in the moment and you love to be able to be that guy who propels your team. But when you sit there and you watch these guys and you watch them, a Freddie Freeman, a Snicker who's been over 40 years, I mean, 40 years with yeah. an organization, right? And, and you watch these guys have an opportunity to win. I, I think it's honestly, you're almost happier, but I guarantee you that there's not a hungrier player in Major League Baseball to come back and, and, and have the year that a healthy year and, and take that team back to the World Series than Ronald Acuna Jr., what do you think it was like for your buddy Alex Anthopoulos, who tested positive for COVID? COVID, no one knew it. Didn't really tell many people in the organization to not be a distraction. And he's watching that game on television from home and not there to celebrate. I mean, it's got to be tough, right? You, you think about it. You, you dream about this moment your entire life and you're a win away and you can't even be there to enjoy it. So I hope that knowing Alex Anthopoulos, one, he was probably nervous. Uh, he, he's even said himself he doesn't like to watch the game. He sits in his office and he's, he's anxiety-ridden, but I hope that he had a couple bottles of champagne and I hope that he was letting those things fire and just pouring them on himself and really having a fun <laughs> time with him and his family because he deserved it, but it just, it just stinks that he can't be there. How drunk do you get off of a celebration like that? Like uh, players, uh, Scherzer doing the post-game interview a couple series ago was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that just does it hit you immediately? Oh yeah, I mean, it's how <laughs> how how drunk are you for the next couple of days? I mean, even I, I never won a World Series, but happy flights. We used to always say this: like you finish a series on a happy flight, which means a win, because yeah. when we get back onto the plane, it's like, all right. And every team has different rules: some beer, some beer and wine, some full bar, and it's. I mean, we've drank the plane dry. What were your a couple rules times. at the, What were the best rules you were part of? Well, full bar was obviously the best. <laughs> who, rules. who had the full bar? Texas Rangers. We had. Yeah. We had full go. So um, full as go. long as as long as it wasn't a flight home, obviously, we. If you had a let's say we're you know in the West, right? The AL West. You're flying Dallas to Seattle. There's a lot of people stumbling down those stairs when the when that bird lands in Seattle. <laughs> and a lot of lifts lined up, all the Ubers and lifts at the bottom of the tarmac. Yeah, there's a good chance. I, I, I feel like um, it goes one of two ways. You're either so worked up after winning a title that you can't get drunk, that you could just sit there and drink bottles of champagne all night. And it's not going to affect you one bit. Or you're, you're so drained. exhausted and drained yeah, I think that drain. one champagne gets Get you, you and you're buzzed from that point on. Well, and then you just keep just keep it going. I mean, that's what <laughs> I, I I don't know if there's any I will say this though. I think after watching hockey celebrations, I don't know if anybody can match the the will and the <laughs> and 
the tank of hockey players because it seems like with Ovechkin, this dude was swimming in fountains yeah. for like it's three days. Level. Well, you so, can't yeah, drink out of the World Series trophy the way you could drink out of the Stanley Cup. It would That's be tough. Part of it. Yeah, it would be definitely yeah. tough. JP, you're Cuban-American. Yeah. Pretty cool to see the second Cuban-born player in Jorge Soler. LeVon Hernandez, 1997, was the first, but to win a World Series MVP award. I mean, unreal, right? You start to think about it. I was having this conversation with Tommy about things. My fiance is it's you, you start to think, well, you see these guys and you know what they've gone through, right? Leaving, you know, having to, to like leave a country, you know, just fl- fleeing, excuse me. They, they flee Cuba. Not a good situation. Not it's, it's bad. And I, and, and I swear to you, there could be a show. You talk about Twitter and stuff. There could be a show on just stories of these guys having to leave Cuba. The, the stories that I've heard from players is insane. And how hard it is to and get I, out. I mean, I mean, yeah, like going through Mexico, having people pick you up on a beach, being laying on a beach waiting for somebody to flash a flashlight for you to swim onto a boat and for you to get on this boat and have it get out of these waters to make it to Mexico to then have somebody in the cartel take care of you and you sign a contract and then take 50% of it. So it, it, it's, a, it's crazy for these guys what they go through to get out of Cuba to watch have the opportunity to play in the big leagues and then get to win the World Series and then have the World Series MVP. I mean, it's, it's uh, my heritage and, and knowing how it, how it happens, it's pretty unbelievable to watch. It's also cool in those moments after a championship when the guys like Solaris got the Cuban flag draped around them. But uh, Ozzy Albies, that's the first time I knew what a Curacao flag looked like when he's on set <laughs> yeah. with Fox afterward. He's got yeah. it draped around him. I'm like, oh, that's the flag of Curacao. Yeah. It's cool to see the different nationalities of the guys come out in those championship moments too. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and I mean it's a it's a it's a sport where you start to think about it, and there's so many different guys. I mean, I've played with Japanese guys, Korean guys, obviously Cuban-born, uh, Dominican, Venezuelan, Curacao, you know, the baseball, Australia, you know, Jan Gomes at University of Tennessee, first Brazilian-born player. So you have a ton, but it's it is cool to see, and again, you know, Jorge Soler. He was with Kansas City, really kind of just sitting there, and all of a sudden goes to Atlanta, takes off at Atlanta, and then becomes a World Series MVP, which not a humble brag, but uh, I'm sure somebody here picked him as the MVP of the well, World Well, I wish I would have just known to do that ahead of the series. After the first home run, the leadoff home run, I jumped on FanDuel and, and took those odds. They quickly moved. FanDuel's amazing at this. They know before anybody. They're watching. You know, they, I, I got them after that. They know for anybody. I got, after, got the good odds. I got them after that game and still did well. You did terrific. Yeah. You would have done super terrific if yes. you did it before the home yes. run. So um, we'd be remiss if we didn't cover all the bases here. You heard my primary complaint about the young lady who ran the marathon in California, relieved herself um, <laughs> halfway through, and this hit close to home for you. Yeah, I actually, I was sitting on the, on the couch listening to you talk about your primary complaint, and I felt attacked. I felt personally attacked <laughs> um, because at the University of Tennessee, we used to have a fitness test, and that fitness test was running a two-mile run under 14 minutes, and then you had eight sprints uh, of 330 meters and 220 meters under a certain time. But if you failed any part of that test, you could come back the next day, which I learned my junior year, how am I going to wisen up? So one actually had the cross-country uniform, a, a track uniform borrowed from a track person at University of Tennessee. And I figured I will absolutely burn myself out on this two miles. And then after, I might try to squeeze as hard as I can to 
have the same thing happen to me <laughs> that happened to that fellow marathoner and go up to the strength coach and say, hey, listen, I pushed so hard. Unfortunately, this happened. And uh, <laughs> so I don't think I can run the sprint. So sure enough, finished through the line, pushed hard enough. Hey, check this out. You can see through the shorts. And uh, I was out. I, was this a coach or showing it? This is a strength coach? Yeah, this is a strength yeah. coach. Here's right? the evidence. This is yeah. not a medical professional. No, this is yeah, someone no, like, oh, okay, is, I know what well, the hell's yeah, going on there. Well, you have really orange. Yeah, Anyone can shorts. identify this yeah, chat. Yeah, can we get a hard. trainer over here? <laughs> yeah. Something's not right. Yeah, there's, an or, there's orange shorts, and then they're like, yo, yeah, Brent. that happened. I was like, I got to get to the locker room, take JP, care of this. You're very dehydrated. Yeah. And you know what? Well, then next day, I'm able to go and finish the sprints, and I felt unbelievable. So they let you pick up in the middle. They didn't make you do the whole thing. No, no. No, I didn't have to what repeat. I passed the two miles, was good to go, pushed it out. Next day, ran the eight sprints. Hallelujah. So the rest of the baseball team do this every year now? Well, no, I think that I was, I think that I was the only one uh, that was crazy enough to try to finish at a two-mile and uh, wow. push out a uh, hoop. Did know. you ever think about just getting in good enough shape to do the whole thing? <laughs> no, I was, I was in good shape, but I was just, you know, it was my junior year. I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to get drafted. I'm going to be out of here. Like, let's prove let's, my worth. Yeah. So <laughs> I've already done what I need to show do. my dedication. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to show how hard I uh, really can make this and how interesting I can make this. And uh, yeah, that's what I did. Do you so think, uh, you know, Tony Vitello, would he fall for this? If he was doing a fitness test, uh, or would he even care? He'd probably laugh and yeah, say, I think, "Good I job." Think, I think I think Tony, knowing his attitude, I think he'd probably say, "Like, hey, you know what? You thought creatively <laughs> to that extent to where you actually pooped your pants after this mile, these two mile runs. Just you pass, guys. You I, I had three complaints today. I picked the right one. Imagine <laughs> if I picked one of the other ones, we'd never know that this was, story. It was perfect. I, well I, timed. I, I did. I felt I was sitting on the couch, kind of starting to squirm a little bit, thinking Paul must have heard. Oh, is that my where story. you went? You exited. You yeah. went to the bathroom. Yeah, I actually teared up in the bathroom. <laughs> I felt, I felt uh, attacked. Um, let's not make this the final visit, JP, because we we have a parade for Chad Withrow to uh, celebrate at some point. Yes. Well, also, I need weekly uh, reviews of the Yankees' moves this offseason. I'll also say that it, this will be a full-go parade, much like your flights. Yeah, full-go. Full bar. Full bar is yeah. available and for And we'll this. put you in a diaper. Well, we need to, And we need to see if we can make a chopper uh, available, the, the mascot, <laughs> come down to... <laughs> That would be if there was any. If there is, a, if you can find a costume, I'll wear the chopper costume to this parade. How about that? We're gonna make challenge accepted. We're gonna make this happen. The tomahawk parade with Chad Withrow is gonna happen. <laughs> we will chop up and down Sixth and Peabody <laughs> by Sixth and Peabody. I mean the street yeah. Sixth and Peabody yeah, around, around the buildings. Good to see you, man. Thank hey, you for thanks coming. Thanks for in. all of it. It's yeah. been great. Analysis has been excellent, uh, and uh, JP will be back for the parade. Uh, coming up, and we have some uh, headlines to hit and much more. Tennessee Power Hour is literally just around the corner. Here on Outkick 360. The NFL has released a statement on the Packers' COVID situation. The primary responsibility for enforcement of the COVID protocols within the club facilities rests with each club. Failure to properly enforce the protocols has resulted in discipline being assessed against individual clubs in the past. The league is aware of the current situation in Green Bay and will be reviewing the matter with the Packers. Outkick 360 rolls on. It Aaron Rodgers out with COVID. Yeah, this it sounds like, I mean, he masked in the building. I don't know about the distance stuff <clears throat> in terms of eating separately and all of those things. I don't know that the details of that don't stuff know. is out. But it sounds like the primary, primary uh, difficulty was, or, or concern that's become public is the, the media availability stuff. 
Um, and I'm curious now that 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 comes up that they do indoor media. Uh, what percentage of teams do media indoor? Because um, uh, I thought there was a lot going on outdoor. Like I'm, I'm just confused by the whole concern of it. Like the the indoor unmatched. Like the podium is 15 feet away, probably. Yeah. And, no, and I get what you're these, saying. These but reporters those are go the to rules. a restaurant and sit indoors and eat without a mask on. Yeah, but I mean, we've covered this before. I know, but I, those I, are the rules they put in place. That's that's yeah, what the like NFL's talking. About. I'm, I'm saying the outcry of like, oh, how how dare this go on? I'm thinking, what what is the what is the outcry of this versus every day we walk we walk through Sixth and Peabody unmasked, and I don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. Yeah, but Sixth and Peabody isn't the NFL that set up this rigid framework of rules that teams are. <laughs> but expected we can still to question that rigid set of rules. No, I'm so, I saying, mean, that's that's what we're doing. But that, that's that's the thing. The question is, we can't compare it to a restaurant because the league has set up these rules that now are going to kick the Packers apparently in in the ass. I, I wonder. It's just so unnecessary. Like the whole thing is just so but unnecessary. I, I wonder, based on what goes on in everyday life right now. I just I don't understand. I guess the fear is being seen as unsupportive or lying of what's it, going the, the on or lying, lying about it. I, I just don't. Well, here's the other question: Is Jordan Love in the clear here? Vaccinated, I don't know. presumably. Yeah, that, again, close I, contact, though. Close contact's not a big deal, but. You're monitoring him very closely no now. But the, the NFL, breakthrough. in all of their power and might, can just tell every media member and America and the world, we're not turning over the investigation into Daniel Snyder maybe having revenge porn pictures of his cheerleaders and sending them to his billionaire buddies. Not going to see any of that. Don't worry about it. Don't ask any questions. But hey, here are all these rules for COVID-19 that we're going to continue even if it makes no sense. But no one... What, couldn't they just say, you know what, we're moving past this. Paul. We're done with it. Most of the league is vaccinated. Well, if you're not, now. you're doing they that. Just do take they can't it do it now because My, it favors Well, the, the Nashville Predators just decided that their rules are done all of a sudden. Well, they're getting in the stadium. in line for getting in the arena. It But again, you can just do it. <laughs> My, the league just did it with the Washington investigation. Well, my point is on the, the here's my overall overriding point with Rodgers is that the league apparently knew of this he said he was homeopathic. Yeah, they they knew they were aware of this because he attempted to get their approval and did. And he has been at the indoors behind podiums unmasked for how many weeks now? Yeah, and they didn't call and him. And the on. NFL knew of this, but now that the media is drawing attention to it, oh, we're going to release a statement saying we're looking well, into the protocol. Well, now that he has follow. COVID. It, Correct. Right. Yeah. So they let it go until he got that's COVID. My, that's that, my that's point. That's a great point. Yeah. They didn't enforce it until he got so sick. So what difference does it make if you're not going to enforce it in week five, but you're all, all of a sudden going to make a big deal about it in week nine? It is a league of selective enforcement. That is for damn sure. Hey. Who they want to enforce it, when they want to enforce yes. it. It's just whatever so, here's what's Here's what's so strange to me about the NFL and this whole thing. What we've seen with the Gruden stuff, the Washington investigation, and being so adamant, they're not going to let anybody see that. And then all the strict COVID-19 protocols that, to me, no longer make any sense. It's the fact that we are so big and bad, we don't have to do anything you say, versus this other, well, we have to do this just because. Now we have to fear backlash on these, these issues, but yet we don't fear the backlash from this other issue and how they pick and choose what to be afraid of. It's very inconsistent. You're right. And I think, I think that inconsistency arrives for a lot of companies, Chad, just when you're too big, right? 
because you've got this issue over here and this issue over here, and you fail to see that there's going to wind up being a conversation about how you're inconsistently looking at things. The Tennessee Power Hour is next, where we get into Adrian Peterson's debut on the practice field for the Tennessee Titans. And where's Julio Jones? What did Ryan Tannehill have to say about the addition of Peterson? And what are coaches saying about the absence of Henry now within that locker room? It's all next.